I know that uh, many of you, uh, like I have, have uh, seen some of the things that are going on in the Ukraine. Uh, there was, um, I contacted one um, elder of the church uh, near where we used to live in Mobile, and I knew he had attended, uh, visited the Ukraine quite a bit over the last several years, and he had shared, um, I, I was asking him about a Christian, a Christian school that is affiliated with the Church of Christ that's over there in the Ukraine, where that uh, school, and I was curious, um, you know, about them, are they still open, are, are uh, they there, uh, some of those uh, type of things, and um, basically that all the Christians that he was aware of in that region um, are in the process of fleeing, uh, that they're headed. It's going in and out. Uh, I don't know. It sounds, it seems like it is. If you hear me, that's great. Uh, but <clears throat> um, he, he was uh, concerned uh, that they, many of them were fleeing and heading west. Why do I bring that up? Number one, we need to be praying about that situation. But in a real sense, as we study the book of James, just to uh, remind us, uh, this book was written primarily to Christians that were scattered abroad from their homes. Um, It was written uh, by James, a leader of the church in Jerusalem. Uh, basically the brother of Jesus uh, here on uh, this earth. And he was writing to some of his brothers and sisters that had been scattered uh, from Jerusalem and scattered abroad. And so this was written as an encouragement to them. And here as we try to wrap up James chapter, uh, with looking at James chapter 5, just a reminder, they starts the book of James uh, trying to encourage them through trials and encouraging them to have joy. But one of the things we'll see in the book of James is he kind of circles back around with some of these themes. And he, he talks about uh, money, what we should do with our money. He talks about our tongue. He talks about be, uh, being patient and persevering. He talks about us not grumbling against one another he uh, talks about um, us being long-suffering and enduring uh, to the end. And then, as we'll see, he also closes out the, uh, this book uh, with talking about prayer and the power of prayer. So I'm excited about uh, this lesson here today, and I hope that we'll all uh, get a lot uh, out of uh, this James chapter 5 And before we dive into the the meat of it, let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, as we come to you, we are mindful of those um, that are being scattered, uh, our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. And uh, dear Father, it's it's hard for us to uh, uh, imagine it as we remember what it was like for back in December when uh, the tornado hit here, uh, and people were displaced. Uh, perhaps that's the closest that we um, 
are are aware of or or that can even feel like uh, what those uh, people are feeling right now. Dear Father, as we are mindful of the book of James and who it was written to, we also, uh, as we dive in, we realize the book of James is very practical and it steps on our toes and it tells us how we should live. Dear Father, as we soak in these things today, help us uh, to realize the power uh, of prayer um, to you. And dear Father, help us uh, to leave here today and leave here as a result of this study, being stronger and better servants of yours. And it's through your Son's saying that we pray. Amen. So let, let's just read uh, James chapter 5. I appreciate uh, Roger filling in uh, for me last week uh, and uh, appreciate uh, the message that he had uh, to share. And basically that message of um, let's be doers of the word. Uh, let's um, do what is commanded uh, to us. So let's look at James 5. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evident against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure uh, in the last days. Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which kept you back by fraud which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgent. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 
Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So good um, challenging words from the uh, from James as we look at closing out um, uh, this chap this book. The question is, have you known anyone that was much, much richer uh, than you? I'm sure we have. Um, the question is, did they consider themselves rich? Most of, most of the people that pop in our mind, we would say, no, they didn't consider, consider themselves rich. So then the question is, have you ever known anyone that was much, much poorer than you? And that considered you rich? If you've interacted with different people outside your family, the answer would probably be yes. I remember uh, one time Sarah and I were living in a single-wide mobile home in a trailer park in Troy, and I had some uh, um, players over. I was coaching basketball and teaching math at the time, and I had some of my players over uh, it was just going to be a late night coming in and early morning going out uh, because of uh, a tournament we were playing in. So they just spent the night at our house. And I remember a couple of them thinking, they, they asked, Coach Palmer, are you rich? Now, I didn't think, uh, because I was living in a sing, uh, single-wide trailer in a mobile home park, I didn't think I was rich, but to them, to some of them, I, I was rich. Now, the reason why they stayed at my house is because they didn't have a car, and I, if I wanted them to play for me, I needed to pick them up. Somebody had to pick them up and bring them uh, to the game, and we drove about 25 miles uh, to school, and these guys lived about 15 miles the other side of me. And so I, I was, uh, it was saving me time uh, to go 40 miles, basically, to pick them up and get them to school uh, to play in the game. So we were doing that. I say all that to say they considered me at that time rich. So as we look at this passage, uh, would some consider us rich? Does this passage apply to us? It wouldn't hurt for us to make sure we're obeying uh, the passages mentioned here, uh, that we're handling our money in such a way that fits with the book of James. Whether you think you're uh, rich or not, we do realize the Bible is a very practical uh, passage, a very practical book. This is a practical passage, and we need to look at, hey, are we handling our money correctly? Are we handling our, our funds correctly? So the next thing that we look at is uh, what specific things were some doing wrong 
with their money in verses 1 uh, through 6. What, what are some of the things they were doing uh, wrong there? Okay, they were getting things that they weren't using, so uh, they um, some of the riches were rotting. Uh, they were buying clothes that they uh, weren't using, and so some of those garments were getting moth-eaten. Eaten. What other things were they doing? Okay, they were keeping back uh, la- uh, wages of the laborers um, that were working for them. Uh, they were keeping back some of the funds that they should be uh, paying those that were working from. Verse 4 says, that which you have kept back by fraud. And so they were agreeing to pay uh, these laborers a certain wage, and they were keeping back those funds for themselves. What else were they doing? What's that? All right. They were murdering uh, some of the just. Um, verse 6, they had condemned and murdered the righteous person. Uh, they were, um, in, if, if you remember back, uh, in James, um, chapter 2, um, in verse, um, 6, we're told, but you have dishonored the poor man, are not the rich, the ones who oppress you, and the ones that are dragging, who drag you into, uh, to courts. Um, they were, um, treating uh, those around them wrong. What else were they doing here? Okay, they were putting their trust in riches. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Uh, they were trusting in those things. What else were they doing? What else is mentioned there? Okay, living a life of luxury. Wanting pleasure, um, uh, the ESV calls it self-indulgence. Verse five. Uh, now we we live in a uh, an area here. It's a little different for me um, because I haven't lived around um, a lot of Amish folks, and we we can pick apart um, how how they live or or whatever. But you have to uh, admire and respect. Uh, that they are willing to do without certain things. And maybe they do without things that we don't uh, do without. Uh, but James is writing here that says that you live a life on, uh, on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. And so he's challenging uh, these um, people here what they do uh, with their money. So let's look at James chapter 1. Um, I want to suggest, uh, and I, I've left some space for you here on your paper, to techniques for me to avoid problems with money. This is personal. So you, you write down the things that are, are helpful to you because some of these passages may apply to you. Some of them may not apply to you. What, what we're going to do is, is just step through James here, see what the Bible says. You write down the things that you feel might be important for you, uh, to, uh, on how you deal, uh, with your money. So let, let's just walk through James. He, he says a lot about, uh, how we deal with our money here in the book of James. In James 1, verse 11, we're told, for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower fails and its beauty perishes. 
so also will the rich man uh, fade away into in the midst of its pursuit. So we're we're told to to watch our trust in these things, watch our pursuits. What are we pursuing, uh, and what are we trusting in? Um, and we have to realize those things are temporary. Verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Also, verse 17, every good and gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow Due to change, so we need to realize that all things uh, come from God. Uh, they, uh, those things are given uh, from God. Verse twenty-seven: Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this: to visit order, orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So we need. We're given an idea of of what to do with our funds and what's. Uh, best there. In chapter 2, verse 1, we're told, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold uh, the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the, fa- the Lord of glory. Verse 5 and 6, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man, are not the rich, the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you in uh, to court. Verses 14 through 16. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Um, skipping over chapter 4, uh, verses 2 through 4. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongfully, wrongly to spend it on your passions. Verse 15 and 17 uh, in James 4. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So several things here, in the, uh, along with um, James 5, verses 1 through 6, that have, tell us how we should... Um, Live with our money. If you think also some other passages um, in Luke chapter 12, verse 21, we have uh, the parable of um, the rich fool, if you will, uh, who said he wanted to tear down his barns and build uh, bigger barns. Um, God said to him in Luke 12, 20 and 21, fool, this night your soul is required of you. In the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Matthew six nineteen through 21, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So we're here to be good stewards of our money, to not trust in those riches, but realize that everything we get comes from God. Uh, really, we're just stewards of those things. Everything we have is not ours. I heard an uh, illustration of um, a speaker um, in a, um, actually is a marriage seminar. I'm not sure how, maybe it's talking about how um, we should deal um, with our finances and, and talking about that. But he, he explained he had just bought a, a new Suburban and he was driving it and this guy pulled out in front of him and wrecked it and it totaled it and he said um man if that were mine i'd be pretty upset and his rationale was well it's god's it's not mine so i'm just using it so i'm not going to be upset about it uh he's going to move on and 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 go on uh, for a while, I, I kept on my computer this little saying, um, if that were mine, I would be upset. So I, I kept that as a little reminder uh, to myself. If, if that were mine, I would be upset. Just trying to teach myself, okay, let's not get too upset uh, when uh, we lose these things. Maybe when we look at our stock market uh, report, our retirement things, or when things just mess up, when they tear up, break down, you have another car bill, another car uh, issue, maybe we should just realize, hey, let's not be so upset uh, about those things. Any other thoughts on our, our funds, our riches? So the lesson to us is, is to make sure we're using what we have being good stewards of it, and um, using it wisely, not trusting in those things, and using them to help others. Good saying, good saying. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And those are uh, the lessons. It, it's good for our kids to learn. Uh, it's good for our kids to learn. Uh, where we came from and, and how uh, it's good for our kids to learn from their grandparents and their great-grandparents if they have them around of how they grew up and what they did um, to earn uh, the things that they have. So also uh, we have, remember James chapter 1 talks to us about being patient in trials and consider it all joy when we fall into trials and we talked about those things. But verses 7 through 12 tell us uh, to be patient uh, in suffering, uh, to be patient and persevering. And we talk about in today's world, when do we need to be patient? There's a lot of things around here that we could say we need to be patient for. But the question is, what's the hardest thing we've ever had to wait for? Um, what, what are some of those things that are difficult for us to wait for? But it's interesting here in verse, uh, verses 7 uh, that he, and 8, he says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. 
See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the the coming of the Lord is at hand. Wonder how the people he was writing uh, to, how they took this. He's telling them to be patient for the coming of the Lord. I, I have this feeling that Maybe it's just me that sometimes now we read this. Maybe we think that coming of the Lord is not imminent. Uh, Is that the biggest message that he needs to share with us today? To be patient for the coming of the Lord. They were looking for it. They were anxious for it. Maybe it's because they were displaced from their homes. Maybe it was because they had been run out of their country in They were going through these tough times, and he's telling them to be patient for the waiting of the Lord. I wonder if we have that same urgency that we need to be told, be patient for the waiting of the Lord. I I tend to think that we're not anticipating the the, um, coming of the Lord, that we're not waiting uh, for those uh, things quite as much. Uh, so the the question might be for us, what do we look forward to the most? What do we look forward to be delivered from when Christ returns? Is it sickness? Is it being um, free from struggles, from financial woes? Uh, maybe it's uh, from just uh, being persecuted. Uh, living a Christian life. What are we looking forward to being delivered from when Christ returns? I'm convinced the more we look at the second coming, the more we anticipate those things, the, the better we're going to live for Christ. We realize what's important. You know, it, it's kind of um, like when the tornado hit here, you... You set aside certain things and you realize what's most important. Sometimes we had plans and we just forgot about those plans because of what happened. Can you imagine if we're in the Ukraine right now? Um, what, what's most important uh, there? That's the way we need to live our lives every day. Um, Philippians chapter 4 verse 5 says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Um, let's turn back to Hebrews chapter 10 for just a second. And he's setting the tone uh, for this. Just a few pages back there. Hebrews 10, 24 to 27. We're told, Unless consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for us. So we're we're told to put things in perspective and not neglect coming together um, because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Just a few... uh, a few pages forward in the book, after the book of James, 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for your sake of your prayers. So, 
if the coming of the Lord was at hand for those folks, how much more should we be concerned about uh, the coming of the Lord? Then he goes right into verses 11 and 12. And you may think that, okay, what does this have to do with it? But he says, um, to be, uh, be ha- as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the, uh, the head. Uh, let's see, I'm jumping ahead here. James 4, 11 and 12. That's what I meant. He said, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and one and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbors? Here in James 5, verse 9, he says, Do not grumble against one another's so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is staying at the door. In other words, if the coming of the Lord is at hand, the verse before, don't grumble against your brothers. In other words, just like when the tornado came, you just forgot about certain things. You set those things aside. If we're in the Ukraine right now, we would set aside some of those things and not be arguing against one another. There's bigger things at risk. There's a bigger picture here. He's saying, because the day of the Lord is at hand, don't be grumbling against one another. No, don't be picking at one another. Uh, like when there's death, when there's sickness, when there's a dangerous situation, we ignore some of those things. We forget about some of those things. We need to remember not to grumble against one another because of the big picture here. Other thoughts along those lines. All right. He then goes into what I was I started to read just a minute ago, verses 11 and 12, encouraging them to be long-suffering and endure. And he mentions the prophets here. He mentions Job. So he mentions several things about who to remember, about who was um, an example, who in the Bible was the example of long-suffering. A couple, uh, let's turn to the book of Job just quickly. I know our time's getting by, but uh, we know some of what Job went through. But in Job 1... 21 and 22, Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. The Lord gave, the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God uh, with wrong. In Job 2, verse 10, but he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women who would, uh, would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin uh, with his lips. At the end of Job, Job 42, Job 42, verse 10, after Job had prayed for his friends, We're told, um, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends 
And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had uh, before. Boy, our time's run away. Hebrews 11 gives us an example of faith of a lot of people. Uh, just as a reminder, Matthew 10, uh, 22, we're going to be hated uh, for um, Christ's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Kingdom uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, we're told, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sakes, for uh, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me jump ahead just in our last few minutes here talking about the power of prayer. A couple of things to remember here. There are several reasons why we should pray. He mentions uh, suffering, uh, sickness, forgiveness of sins here. He also mentions to call uh, upon the elders uh, if there's uh, sickness there. Um, they, he mentions anointing them uh, with oil in the name of the Lord. Even in the parable of the Good Samaritan, we're given that uh, example of pouring in oil and wine there. The equivalent, what's the equivalent of that today? Probably call, uh, going to the doctor, going, uh, calling up Dr. Sutton here. What do I need to do? What medicine do I need? Um, maybe use essential oils as well. Um, but um, we're told to pray along with those things, um, to pray for those things. I wanted to mention uh, verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. He then goes into verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So what was special about Elijah? What was special about him? Really nothing. He was a man just like us. He had a nature just like us. In Acts chapter 14, if you remember Paul and um, Barnabas, they were called gods. And uh, Paul said, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. In other words, there's nothing special about any of us. Any of us have access to uh, prayer. We don't have to go through a priest or some uh, someone else. Any of us can pray. But we're told that the prayer of a righteous person has great power. Now, Proverbs chapter uh, 15, verse 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. So where does the power come from, as he's mentioned here? Where does that power come from? From God. So it's God that hears the prayer of the righteous. The power is not from that person. It's the fact that God hears the prayer of the righteous person. So what encouragement should that be for us? Keep praying. And that when you're going through struggles, ask others to pray. Ask righteous people to pray for you. It, it will do good. It is has great power. And we need to remember that. And then in closing, real quickly, verse 19. My brothers, if any of you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back. Who's the someone talked about there? Okay, it could be us. It could be another Christian, anyone 
who talks to them. Family member. The challenge, just like Neil mentioned today, the challenge is for us to be that someone. Let us be that person who prays. Let us be that person who talks to the one who has wandered from the truth. Let them know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. I hope that this is encouragement to you, to, to me, to be that someone. Uh, to take the book of James and make it live. I appreciate this, uh, the study this, um, this quarter. It's helped me a whole lot. I hope it's helped you. Let's bow as uh, we leave. Dear Father, we thank you uh, for your word that is instruction to us. Help us to live it. Help us this week to live it. And it's through your son's name that we pray. Amen.